the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Amen. Thanks be to God for his word to us. Welcome here to Bethany Covenant Church. It's good to see you all. Welcome those joining online. It's good to see you. If you've been with us during this season of Lent for these past few weeks, you know that in our times together, we have been coming face to face with brokenness. Brokenness in ourselves, brokenness in our relationship, brokenness in the world around us. We've been living up to the fact that there is much that is broken in our lives. And we've been using this chapel space as a visible reminder of of the costs of neglect. What happens when we stop paying attention? What happens when we begin to disregard the things that are important? And we've seen how what was once beautiful and special and even sacred can suffer from neglect and fall into disrepair. But we've also seen elements of the chapel being restored over these weeks together. And we've been reminded that as we submit ourselves, our relationships, and our world into the hands and heart of a loving God, we will find ourselves in the hands of a gifted, loving master craftsman who is eager and able to be at that work of restoration within us. We began by looking at the brokenness we see in the world around us. Even though God created everything good, we saw that the sin and failings of the very people God created in his own image resulted in a breakdown, a breakdown in the relationship between God and his creatures, a breakdown in the relationship between those people created as in God's image and creation itself. We heard the words of Jesus at the table, Inviting his friends, inviting us to remain with him, remain in him, abide in him, to stay close, as close as branches are to a vine. Hearing the words of Jesus that apart from him, we can literally do nothing. And then Pastor Ali invited us to explore our inner lives, to to have the, the courage, the gumption to actually look deep inside us and pay attention to those places within us where they're We are suffering from neglect, where we see ourselves breaking from the inside out, where we find that we have been focusing on external appearances rather than the places of chaos and disorder within us. We noticed how God is faithful to restore us from the inside out. Pastor Chris spoke about our relationship with God, this this vertical life we have the relationship we share with the very one who created us. But because, as people, we can't see God, sometimes we find ourselves neglecting this most important being in the universe. We end up neglecting the most important relationship of our lives. And we forget about the God who loves us. This season of Lent invites us in particular to reflect on the question, how is it? really, between us and God? How have we, like, like Elijah the prophet, sometimes just preferred to do things our own way? And then last week, Pastor Diane invited us to consider those people in, in the inner orbit of our lives, those people closest to us, our friends, our family members, and to see how, 
how important and tender and central those relationships can be and how they might suffer from neglect or even misuse. We looked at the family that Jesus used to tell the story of God's love and forgiveness, a family that featured a loving, forgiving, welcoming father, a returning and repentant prodigal son, and an indignant and infuriated older brother. We looked at this little family orbit to see that those people who are closest to us, those close relationships, give us opportunities, opportunities to offer gifts of love and mercy, opportunities to receive those gifts, and if we give in to brokenness, opportunities to withhold those gifts as well. I'd like to to thank our pastoral team for sharing God's word with us these past few weeks. This morning, we shift our focus to what I'll call the outward life, looking at life beyond the horizons of our closest inner orbit to those people outside our family and friends, people in our community, people we'd call our neighbors, those people in our workplaces, in schools. The outer life is how we operate when we walk outside the doors of our homes, outside the doors of this church building. And as we consider our outward life, we need to ask, well, what, what is our relationship actually with the world? What's our relationship with those people out there? And it turns out that Jesus answered this exact question when he met with his friends, the disciples, at the table that we gather around this morning to remember that night when Jesus was betrayed by a close friend into the hands of those seeking his life. In the Gospel of John, we discover the longest recorded prayer of Jesus. It's a prayer he lifted up to God as he taught his friends around that table. And this morning, we'll look at a portion of that prayer beginning at John 17, verse 6. Jesus prayed, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have, everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None of them has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly 
sanctified. Jesus prayed this prayer for his disciples on that night when they gathered for what we have come to call the Last Supper. This Passover meal that Jesus led and served as rabbi to these friends and disciples. And much of what Jesus taught the disciples that night was in the context of his impending departure from them. Again and again, he said, I am going to be leaving you. But don't worry. Don't be discouraged. Take heart. Because I will ask the Father and he will send you a comforter, an advocate, the Holy Spirit, to be with you always. And Jesus said that he himself would someday return. He told his friends that he was about to be handed over to death, but that they would see him soon. When Jesus gathered with his friends that night in an upper room to celebrate the Passover meal, he washed their feet, taking on the role of the lowliest of servants. He told them that they should do likewise, that they should serve each other. He said to serve one another, to lay down one's life for someone else is the ultimate act of love. Later that night, Jesus' final journey to the cross would begin to unfold. The events of that night and over the next three days will guide us through our upcoming journey through Holy Week, which begins next Sunday on Palm Sunday. Today, we will gather at the table to which Jesus invited his friends, where he invited the disciples to gather around him. And last week, we saw that our, our communion table here in the chapel was restored, that everything had been made right. It was reset. Things were prepared for the feast to which Christ himself invites us. And this week, we see that the chairs have been refinished and restored. They've been reordered. The place is set to remind us that we are welcome here at the table. And these empty chairs remind us that there's room for others as well. There's room for more. Even as we are welcome here, Jesus says, in our outward lives, we should be people who are going out with open arms, inviting and welcoming people in. Reminding us that our outward posture is to be one of warmth and hospitality and welcome and invitation. That we are sent out into the world just as Christ was sent into the world. Because if we neglect this aspect of our outer lives, we're, we're prone to short-sightedness. If we stop looking outwardly, we'll look around and, and we'll be glad and comforted by who we see here, the people that we like to be with. If we neglect our outward focus, we won't even think to ask the question, well, well who's not here yet? Who are we missing? Gathering at this table of Jesus should prompt gratitude in our inner lives as we contemplate the love and mercy of God poured out so freely on our behalf. Gathering at this table should, should guide us into a time of reflection as we re-examine our vertical life, as we honestly face the question, well, how is it really between us and God? And how closely have we been inviting abiding with Christ our Savior. And gathering at this table should remind us that there is always, always more room for others. Jesus invites us to come to him and then he sends us out 
as inviters ourselves. He wants us to draw near and to go out into the world. Jesus once told his followers, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. If you were here last week, you might remember that our our light fixture was kind of at a strange, awkward angle. It was covered with cobwebs, and the bulbs were flickering. And it's been restored this week to remind us of this identity statement that Christ has given us. Christ says, not you should be the light of the world. He doesn't say you should try hard to be the light of the world. He says you are the light of the world. In this season, we're reminded that this is the reason that Jesus didn't just take all of his followers with him when he went back to be with the Father. He knew that this world needs light and lights. We see this in the prayer of Jesus for his friends that night in the upper room. Jesus, praying to God about his disciples, says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. And then later in his prayer, as you have sent me into this world, I have sent them into the world. Jesus has chosen those of us who choose to call ourselves his disciples to stay here, to stay put. I guess in a real sense, you could say he's, he's left us behind. But it doesn't come from an act of, of negligence. He doesn't leave us here as a form of abandonment. He leaves us here because of the centrality of our mission. We're meant to shine his light, to share the good news about Jesus to go, to teach, to baptize, to do those things Jesus told his friends just before he ascended to the Father. Jesus, praying to his Father about his friends, says, my prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Jesus says those who choose to follow him are in this world, but not of this world. During my uh, youth pastor days, when I was teaching on this passage, I would sometimes use, use the example of, of skiing or snowboarding. Talk about the difference between being on the slope and being of the slope. When a skier is in control, uh, she's having a good time. She's navigating the slope. She's interacting with it. She's enjoying it, working hard, getting better. This in-control skier is on the slope. This person is of the slope. <laughs> to, to be of the slope is to be in way too deep. It's to take a face plant. It's to be interacting with the slope in a way that, that no one ever intended. We weren't meant to come to a screeching halt and to get in way over our head. We're meant to navigate the slope. Now, this is not by any means a perfect analogy, but it does remind us that the Christian life is meant to be lived out in the world, out on the slope. 
We were never meant to learn about skiing or snowboarding by, by holing up somewhere and reading about it. We're never meant to learn to ski in the safety of our, of our living rooms. We're meant to be out in the world, on the slope, learning how to do it. We've not just been left here by our Lord, but sent with a purpose. As people who are sent out into the world, we go and, yes, we invite people to come here and, and take a seat. We say, we've got seats here in the church building. We'd love to have you come with us. But as people sent out into the world, we also sit ourselves down beside those who are in the world. Because even as we invite people into our church building, we recognize that as we go, we are the church. So we go onto their turf. And as we go, we ask God to be at work in our hearts so that more and more, our hearts for the world would resemble God's heart for the world. God sent his son into the world because of God's love for the world. The world is not a God-forsaken place. It's a beloved place. I love the words of the Carolyn Aaron's song called Love is Always There. There is no heart so lost it cannot be found. There are no hopeless circumstances. There is no such thing as a God-forsaken town because there are always second chances. God loved the world so much he sent his son to show us God's love with skin on. And God loves the world so much he's actually left us here left us here with a mission to accomplish and a light to shine. This season of Lent is a particularly fitting time for us to ask God to be deeply at work in our hearts, to develop in us hearts that, that ache for, that, that care for, that love those people in the world around us whom God loves. And as we do, we'll see that God allows us to restore and to cultivate an outward-facing posture. It's an outward-facing posture that actually doesn't cost us anything in, in our inner lives. It doesn't cost us anything in our vertical life with God. It doesn't cost us anything in our relationships with those in our inner orbit. In fact, it makes them all the richer. An outward-facing posture is essential for those of us left in this world with a mission to accomplish. God calls us to expand our horizons, to be facing outward. To never lose sight of our mission, our mission to know God deeply and to be inviting other people to join us in that journey. Our mission to follow Jesus instead of our own inclinations. Our mission to be serving our neighbors in the name of the one and in the spirit of the one who invites us to a table and says, this is my body, this is my blood. Would you join me in prayer? Loving God, would you open the eyes of our hearts so we can see Jesus and so that we can see the world around us through your eyes of love. Show us, God, where we've been too nearsighted in our view of who matters to you too limited in our sense of call to shine as light and to be out in the world. Help us, God, to be less self-focused, less self-satisfied. 
Show us how and where to pour out what you have poured so graciously, extravagantly, and lovingly into our lives. God, this morning as we think about the church and the world outside our doors, we think of our sisters and brothers down the road at the East Berlin United Methodist Church who find themselves displaced this week due to a church fire. God, bless and lead that congregation. Provide for them, comfort them. Lord, wherever we go, may we have eyes to see what you are up to in the world. Eyes that keep looking with expanded horizons and eyes that focus on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name, amen.